So the big question is this, why well-being conscious women just like us who want to live a healthy and happy life are constantly feeling vulnerable like, what if I get attacked? And so many people who teach self-defense are tough men or martial artists who don't seem to understand what women really go through every day. How can we feel safer and be more confident in our personal safety? That is the question and this channel gives you the answer. My name is Kinko Hamilton and welcome to Rise Up Against Violence. Hi guys, today I have a pleasure of having Tiffany Richards from Peaceful Warrior Martial Arts and Healing Center. I met Tiffany through the Women's Self-Defense Summit 2020 and uh, oh my gosh, you guys are going to get so much great information today. She is a martial artist over 24 years, but as you know, she's going to tell you all about the difference between martial arts and self-defense and beyond. So welcome Tiffany. Thank you for having me, Kinko. Absolutely. I'm so excited you're here. So I just quickly introduce you to everybody that you have been practicing martial arts for 24 years. Yes. Tell me why. <laughs> Tell me why you've been practicing so long and uh, how is it you know, helping you with self-defense? Yeah. Okay. So, well, I, unlike most people who start when they're kids, I actually started as an adult. I grew up in a really small town in Northern Arizona and I was in love with Bruce Lee films. I liked the WWE wrestling. I was totally a weird kid. And I would like, I would watch the WWE wrestling and I'd take pillows and like throw them down and body slam them and stuff like that. And of course my mother's like, oh my gosh, what is she's crazy. Uh -huh. But there were no martial arts programs when I was a kid, there was nothing. So I did all the typical school stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I graduated high school and then I moved down to Phoenix. So a much bigger city, I moved down to Phoenix. And the very first thing that I did was I found a job and I found a karate school. And I've been training ever since. And of course, within that time, I've, I've had various styles and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it's part of my life. It's in my blood. I've never stopped. And I'll be training until I die. <laughs> absolutely. I'm with you on that one. I absolutely love martial arts. And I practice karate too as a part of my system. But how is it the martial arts, you know, martial arts is marketed or said to be a self-defense. What do you say to that, Tiffany? That it's a, about it being marketed for self-defense? Well, if we're talking about specifically women's self-defense, then there's a lot of differences, I think. Because unless you're training, just like anything, unless you're doing it on a consistent, regular basis, and you're training all of your muscle memory and those motor movements and all of that, if you're just coming in to take a seminar, then you're not going to be learning the same techniques in that you would be maybe in your karate classes that you would be doing women's self-defense. So for instance, we're, we're gonna be working on gross motor movements. We're not gonna teach women how to punch, right? I mean, I, I hope that a lot of people, if they were to go into a regular self-defense class, like a women's self-defense class, they're probably not going to learn how to punch because we know as martial artists, that requires a lot of skill. You could break your own hand, you could bend your wrist. There's all sorts of things that could happen. 
So when we're talking about women's self-defense, we're talking about really gross motor movements, um, big, big movements, palm heel strikes, elbows, things like that to just create what I say, create a distraction and get away. I'm not there to duke it out with somebody like what you would be doing kind of in a regular karate class or sparring or kobudo or anything that goes along with the martial arts practice. Absolutely, totally. It's a completely different game, right? Because in dojo, you have, there are rules that you have to follow. You can't hit groin, you can't bite, you can't spit on somebody. On the street, yeah. it's different. Yeah, it's like no rules, fight like a savage, get out of there, protect yourself, protect your family. If you have kids, obviously you're going to do anything for your kids to protect them. And so you have to fight and get out. So it, there's going to be different aspects of, of women's self-defense than there are in like the dojo. Mm -hmm. So tell me, Tiffany, how did you start your self-defense journey? So I started doing karate and I have a, kind of an unfortunate story, but a story that is one of survival. Um, I started doing karate when I was, I think I was 18 or 19 when I moved down here and then started, you know, going to school and, and got a job and started a dojo so I could pay for my dojo dues. <laughs> and um, in my early 20s, I was in a seriously abusive relationship. And so I spent almost 700 consecutive days in basically a living hell. Um, I was physically abused. I was emotionally abused. I was mentally abused. I, I ran the gamut. Um, I remember one night uh, he, he ended up getting a DUI. It's a long story, but he ended up getting a DUI. We lived separately. He walked five miles to my house and I had been hit by him before, pushed around by him before, things like that. Um, definitely been told that I would never find anyone that would love me. You know, all of those things that women who are in these domestic uh, violence situations go through. But I remember one night he, he walked about five miles to my house and I heard knocking on my sliding glass door and I walked out of the sliding glass door and I closed it behind me because I didn't want him coming into the house. He was drunk, I could smell alcohol on his breath. And, and the, the thing that resonated with me the most that I still remember is he said, have you ever been punched by a man before? And he proceeded to punch me in the face and I went hurtling back um, through my sliding glass door. So wow. in that, in that time, uh, I've had dishes thrown at me. Uh, <laughs> I had furniture thrown at me. I was pushed down a flight of stairs, you know, multiple things. And so here's the crazy thing. During that time, I was training karate. So what I discovered was it wasn't just the physical aspect of what kept me, what kept me in this situation or in this abusive domestic violence situation was that I, what, I didn't feel capable of leaving. I didn't feel that I had self-worth. I didn't feel that I, I was worthy of a different relationship. And so during that whole time as I'm training karate, um, I'm thinking about how, how can I get out of this situation? A, my friends all saw it, my family saw it, but I didn't see it. Um, but at the same time, I was thinking, how can I make sure nobody else goes through this? And when I finally, finally got enough, enough courage to leave, that's when I vowed that I would never, ever, if I could help it, see anyone else go through this. And so I knew that from a martial aspect, absolutely. I honestly, anyone can train gross motor movements. They can train how to kick and punch. They can teach women palm heel strikes. But are you covering it from the mental and emotional and spiritual aspect as well? And that's the difference between what I do versus some of the other things that I see out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we'll talk about that later too. But the interesting thing is 
it wasn't until just a while ago, maybe about a year ago, that I actually started talking about my situation. Mm. Even when I was teaching women self-defense, I wouldn't talk about my own situation because I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I didn't want anybody to know that I had put myself in a situation like that. I wanted to come off as stronger. And it wasn't until a while back that I started kind of sharing my story. Mm. And the more that I talk about the situation I was in, the more memories flood in. And then I'm like, oh my God, I was seriously, I was in a really bad place in my life. And I cannot believe that I let this happen. But what I can see now is it's kind of like the hero's journey is that I went through that, but here I am now a stronger, more capable, more resilient woman teaching other women not to be in those situations or to get out of them if they are. I'm so glad you're here seriously and be, you know, happy and happier and a stronger woman, Tiffany. But I'd like to ask you, you said you, when you finally had the courage to leave the situation, what gave you the final courage? You know what it was? And so, so one of the things is, is that when I was in this situation, I thought that if we moved, then it would go away. We think about all these things. We think about, we're, we're the ones that, that are in these situations that we're making excuses for them. So our friends are seeing them and saying, God, what is going on with you two? And you're, oh, well, he's stressed or he's really busy at work or he doesn't know how to handle his emotions or you're making excuses. Um, so one of my, my thoughts was, well, if I move, if we leave Phoenix and we move, then all of our problems will just stay in Phoenix. They won't follow us, they'll go away. Mm -hmm. So we moved. And at that time, I started volunteering for a battered women's shelter mm -hmm. in the town that we were living in. And I don't know if it's because I felt such a lack of control in my own life that I wanted to help or, or try to control other things that were going on that weren't, you know, directly related to me. I'm not sure what it was. But I do remember that I was volunteering. And one night, my boyfriend and I went out to eat and we got in a fight like we always, I mean, this was a daily thing. We got in a fight and in, as we're driving home, we're in my car and as we're driving home, he smashed my windshield from the inside and broke my windshield. So I, of course, I stopped the car and dead in the middle of the street. He got out of my car, walked around, kicked in the front quarter panel. And then he said to me, you're dead when I get home. And he started walking home and I sat there in my car freaking out because of course now I didn't want to go home and I was embarrassed and I didn't want my neighbors to see us fighting or hear us fighting if I did go home. So I called the police and this was one of the first times I actually called the police and they came to me and they said, well, if you don't want to go home, the thing that you can do is you can go across the train tracks. There's a battered women's shelter. And I said, I work there and they were like, okay, hint, hint, hint. And that was the moment that it just clicked. It clicked. And when I made the decision, I am never going to allow this to happen again. That was it, I was done. I, and, and we went to court, he owed obviously money for the car and stuff like that, but I've never talked to him again, never seen him again, never looked backwards. It was just one moment of gathering enough courage and self-worth and esteem to finally leave. Hmm. I'm so glad, I, I hate to say this, but I'm so glad that 
happened to you so mm-hmm. you were able to finally get out and free yourself from him and the, the hell you had to go through right wow um people are watching this stephanie right because you had experience experience i had it an experience and the person who's watching this also had an experience so that's why we are all here and that's why i wanted to create this channel because so many self-defense channels or shows about guns or right. men talking about women's self-defense using men as their training partner or dummy or even using men women kind of similar size of women and you know they just don't seem to understand what women really have to go through every day Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, I just want to say that, you know, with the whole COVID thing Mm -hmm. and the lockdowns and everything, we're seeing statistically that domestic violence is increasing because of COVID. And in fact, the UN is calling um, domestic violence, they're calling it the shadow pandemic, because it's kind of like the pandemic that's hidden behind what's being presented is that these women are in these situations now where now they're locked down with their partners who are abusing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tiffany, you had an event happen in the car car incident. Then they give you courage to just get out, right? Drop mm-hmm. everything and get out. What? So you talk, You just said that shadow shadow um, pandemic. What can those women do right now? I mean, I think at first, and that and that's the thing is that's the the program that I developed is called the Peaceful Warrior Woman because I have the Peaceful Warrior Martial Arts Center as well. Um, and I think one of the things, and that, that's what we were talking about, what kind of makes it different is just not the physical components, but you have to have the mental fortitude and the desire, and you have to be willing to give yourself permission to get out of that situation. A lot of women stay in these situations because they are scared. They're right. scared. They don't know what's on the other side. They don't think that they can take care of themselves, maybe financially, or, you know, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, to be honest with you, because I was in my 20s. We didn't have kids. We weren't married. Think about these women who have been in these situations for 20, 30, 40 years. They've got kids. They're married. They're financially strapped. They're tied down. A lot of these women don't have jobs because the husband or the, the partner likes to keep control of them. So these women feel that they, there's nowhere to go. They, they can't go anywhere. Um, in my case, I was so embarrassed. I didn't want my family to know that I was being beat up behind closed doors. Why would you want your mom and dad to know that? Yeah. And I so, know. yeah, you don't, you, you don't have anywhere to go. You don't think you have anywhere to go for help. And so you end up staying in these situations. So before the physical component, mm-hmm. you have to give yourself permission to leave. Mm-hmm. And that, that has to come from within. Absolutely. So that has to come from within what's going to be the first step? The, I mean, for me, it was a click. Mm-hmm. It was just, I decided, yeah. I decided. You know what I tell people a lot is I say, act as if. Have you ever heard of that? Act as if? Absolutely. I'm doing it right now, actually. Yeah. That's actually, no, 2021, I started, you know what? There's part of my life that I wanted to change, right? Uh-huh. And I wanted to change it and decided to change it. So I became who I want to be and I acted, I, I did an affirmation, I do affirmation every day, meditate it, and I act as if because my brain doesn't understand if it's real or if it's, I'm just thinking about it, right? right. So right. I did that and you know what, voila, I, I'm yep. so far from 
who I want to be, but I'm definitely getting so much closer than who I was before. Right. Th- thoughts become things. We've heard that, that, that things are manifested twice. They're manifested first in your brain and then they're manifested in real life, tangibly here in this world. And so when I, when I act as if, and I did an exercise, I had a, I did a seminar with a woman named Mary Morrissey. And I remember that we did this act as if, um, session. And I mean, this was years ago, this was probably 15 years ago or so. And she said, imagine everywhere you'd want to be everything you'd want. And we're talking everything from finances to your job, to the house you want to live in, to everything, your relationships. And then she said, what I want you to do is say that this is in five years, imagine your life where you are in five years. And now I want you to spin a circle and so we would turn the circle and we'd come back and it's five years later. And now I want you to express all of these wonderful things that have happened in your life. I tell women this, act as if. And even though we're talking about maybe just that small relationship, just that, just that small kind of component in your life, act as if you're out of this relationship now, you're thriving, you're on your own, you're creating your own life, you have your own finances act as if, and that's, that's the mental part. So I think that would be the very first step. Mm-hmm. If I were to give somebody advice, you have to imagine yourself not being in this situation. You have to imagine yourself thriving. Right. It's very, very difficult to, I think, for women to think about being thriving when she is in deep hole, right? Yep. Absolutely. So it's probably it's you would you say it's safe to say just to remove yourself from the pain first is that enough for them to take the first step but you should they should be able to imagine they're thriving then it might take us it might take you first to even imagine yourself walking out the door Mm -hmm. before you even get to I'm living in this place. I have my own house. I'm financially secure. But you know what? We're hardwired for survival. We are. Innately, we are hardwired for survival. That is ancient brain. So if you can survive, then you can make it through all of that crap and you can get out. Absolutely. When my parents divorced, uh, Tiffany, I was 17. But they were fighting, you know, they are in a bad situation for three years prior to that then my mom and I decided to leave and just we my mom had no money and I worked after high school I worked in a cafe I think the restaurant and you know I kind of pitched in a little bit but she was a housewife for 21 years you know and uh, I had younger brother and sister Uh, we left them with their dad we just lived moved maybe two streets down and it wasn't even home it was somebody else's store my mom's friend's store had a storage upstairs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this, but you know, and then we stayed there for several months. I totally forgot about it until now, but I totally yeah. get it, Tiffany. So just, you know, me too, I'm going through this self-defense journey and just all those things come back. And I get it. I I started sharing my story and you know, and I realized that there's so many more women. Uh-huh. who went through very similar stories uh-huh. and that's just unbearable yeah yeah and 
you know, I, the more I talk, because I've been encouraged to talk about it because like I said before, like, ah, I didn't, I, I don't want to talk about it. I I'll just keep teaching women self-defense. I'll teach the kicking and the punching and, or not the punching, but you know, palm hills and elbows and all that. But, um, the more I started to talk about it, like, like what just happened, yeah. those memories start flooding in and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot that happened. I, like just this morning, I thought about something that had happened that I had just blocked out of my brain because I didn't want to think about it. And the more I talk though, and, and share my story, the more that women who actually take my workshops relate. I'm, I'm more relatable because how, how am I supposed to know that someone in my workshop isn't in an abusive situation themselves? Or wasn't, you know, I've had women who have come through my workshops who have been raped. I've had women who have been robbed. I've had women who, I had one woman, cause I teach nationally. I go all over the country and I teach. I've had one woman who was, um, this was when I was teaching up in Oregon. She was in an abusive relationship, decided to leave. So she made that decision, left, went to another state. Didn't know this. She was kind of starting her life, got a job, everything. Didn't know that the ex-boyfriend was stalking her and ended up following her, stalked her for days, which is so scary because you don't even know someone's watching you or following you and um, followed her to where she worked. She got out of work one day. She came, she was walking to her car. He had gotten into her car. When she got in, he assaulted her in her car. Um, she told me when she took the workshop that of course, when she called the police, the very first thing that they said was, you need to take a women's self-defense course, which I think is, I, I get that that's their training and, and they automatically say that, but think about you just have been assaulted. And the very first thing you're thinking is, oh yeah, I should go learn how to protect myself. Well, wouldn't that have been valuable information before that happened? Like, it's so insensitive. And, and people just don't understand that. Well, if you learn how to beat them up, then you'll be fine. And so she, she signed up for a course that was taught by the police department, walked in and it was all men, just to your point, what you just talked about. And she turned around and walked out. And she said she hadn't felt comfortable taking a self-defense course until she found out that I was coming. And she signed up because it was created and taught by a woman. And if you think about the women who have been in these types of situations that have been assaulted, um, that have been in domestic violence situations, the last thing they want to do is go take a course by some guy who's telling them what to do. Exactly. That's the last thing they want to do. Exactly. Especially <laughs> severely hurt by the man. And you want, you want to, you know, I have to go to the circle of men. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've had another thing that kind of comes up in these situations too in, in my courses is that... I have women who have been in situations, whether they've been raped, assaulted, uh, beat up, and what they try to do. And, and now it's, mo it's part of my introduction when I talk to them and I say, okay, here are the do's and don'ts of what we're gonna do today. I never had included this before, but what ends up happening is that if something were to happen to them, as an example, one of the girls who took my class, when she was 14, she was roofied, she's in her, late uh, 20s or early 30s now, she was roofied and she was gang raped basically. And she, in taking the course, tried to recreate the scenario. And so she wanted 
to put herself back in that situation. And I think that's something that's in our minds because I think about that too. Oh, if I had only seen the red flags, if I had only done this, if I had only done that, and that keeps us living in the past. Right. And that's the problem yeah. is that if you want to recreate that scenario or that situation, and then what you're going to tell yourself is, oh, if I had, oh, it, it was that easy to get out of it. You didn't know you were 14. How are you supposed to know? So you take those experiences and you use them to move forward. But Absolutely. back to the point of men teaching, um, I love them. I love them. I have a team of them that come in and do all the attacks and stuff like that, but they're never going to understand as sympathetic as they can be. And also just as, as caring as they can be if they've had a parent or, or maybe their sister or a friend who's been abused or, or assaulted, as sympathetic as they can be, they will never be in that position, that fear that we have of th simple things like taking the dogs out for a walk. Do we even feel safe taking the dogs out for a walk by ourselves or jogging by ourselves or hiking by ourselves? Um, where do we park in the parking lot? I don't think men think about any of that stuff. And women, it, when, I, when I teach these classes and I say, all right, where's the safest place to park in the parking lot? Every single one of them, under a light, closest to the door. Do men think about that? I don't think they have to think about that. So as sympathetic as they can be to what we go through, they're never going through what we go through. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And Tiffany, unfortunately, our interview time is coming to the end, very close to the end. Uh, I want to ask you this, the ultimate question, what can we do to overcome what if I get attacked fear? You're always going to have fear, always, but you have to be able to utilize that fear as a response now. So what you have to do is you have to turn that fear into your response to the situation and there's no stalling. You can't hesitate. You can't procrastinate. You just have to move. And, and when you move and you decide in your mind that you're going to survive, then all of those instincts will kick in. And of course, obviously training, training with the right person. There's, there's so much dangerous information out there. Um, the way women are taught to hold their keys in between their knuckles or <laughs> break out of a choke like this. I debunk that stuff all the time because I pressure test everything. Yeah. I've been choked out myself. I've been knocked out myself. I've been taken down on the ground myself. So, you know, as great as some of these people with their social media and their marketing and all of that stuff, if they're a life coach or I'm sorry, and I don't want to, I don't want to be disrespectful to a group of people, but honestly, like the year and a half Taekwondo black belt that they're posing in their cute little stiletto shoes. I think that some of that stuff is really dangerous. Absolutely. So you have to decide. Yes. Before I let you go, tell us one dangerous thing that you see a lot on YouTube or social media? One of the dangerous things um, is that because this is the scariest thing, what we don't want to end up on the ground, right? Like, and that's in my classes, like we kind of save the groundwork for the end because we want them to be comfortable with all the strikes and everything. And what I see is, uh, I see these women who are using their husbands or their boyfriends as kind of like their attacker or their training partner. And they'll do this whole defense thing from the ground and they'll lay back. And then the boyfriend will just kind of be like hovering over them and not really simulating any kind of assault. And then they just do this really easy, like one kick or one strike. And then they're like, and see, that's how easy it is. 
And I think that is so dangerous because that is the worst place you want. That's the last place you want to be. It's the worst place to be. And so I see that and it's, it's scary to me because it makes it look like it's just so easy to get a 200 pound man off of you if you're a hundred pounds <laughs> and they make it look simple. And then these women have this false sense of security. Exactly. I totally agree with that. And I debunk that too. I, I'm taking the, you know, one of the big names, um, jujitsu training, women's self-defense trainings. But I got to tell you, I, I ask questions, a lot of questions. I don't think this works. This doesn't work. I, tra- I, I practice with my, um, my husband's, I'm a hundred 10 pounds, 5'4", mm-hmm. right? 5'4", 110. My husband's 215, 6'4". My training partner is a man. He's 185, 185 pounds, right? Yeah. So I do that and it doesn't work. And you know what right. they say? They said, you're doing wrong. Use this muscle, use butt muscle and the issue, it, it worked. I said, are you kidding me? This man is pin, mounting you, pinning down and it, you're telling me to use my back muscle to flip this guy right anyways mm-hmm. the long go, the list goes on but tiffany i just wanted to thank you so much for being here and everyone like tiffany uh, attended the women's self-defense summit is available online and the information is down below as well as well as tiffany richard's information so tiffany once again thank you so much for joining me today. thank you appreciate it thank you <laughs> Would you like to get the devices from the world's top self-defense experts? If so, go ahead and get your pass from www.womensselfdefensesummit.com.